what we've been going through here the last few weeks has been the book of Galatians. Um, how many of you remember uh, that we've, we've been talking about the, good, the book of Galatians? How many of you remember um, what is going on in the book of Galatians? Let me see your hands so, so I know if I need a recap. Do y'all remember what's going on leading into the book of Galatians? Yes, few people. Okay, man, I, now I need to do my deep dive. Y'all would have cut this sermon about 10 minutes shorter now. Now you're going to be here a little bit longer. So Galatians, um, there's a Paul, um, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the people in Galatia, which is a region in Asia Minor, which is present day Turkey today. Um, it's the, the, the unique thing about Galatia is the third largest city in all of the Roman Empire is Antioch, and it's in Galatia. Uh, it was a very large city because it was a major trading hub. So there's people from all parts of the earth that live in this region, in Galatia. And in Galatia, there's, there's people who are from a Jewish background, like from Jerusalem. And then there's people who are from Greek backgrounds. There's people who are uh, from, from other regions, their backgrounds. So it's, it's a melting pot. It's a lot like the city of Houston, right? City of Houston is a very diverse city. It's the most diverse city in the U.S. and probably in the world, if you didn't know that. Uh, my wife teaches at a school not too far down the road here. There was like 26 languages spoken at home from the different students in her school. That's just about sample size of 900. That's how diverse our area is. And Antioch is a lot like Houston. There's people from all backgrounds, all walks of life, all kinds of different things going on. And so there's the, the, the gospel has gotten to Galatia. And it, as a matter of fact, if you go back to Acts chapter uh, 9 and 10 and 11, it starts talking about the people of Antioch. And that's the first time the followers of Christ are called Christians. So these are um, very early adopters, very early people to the faith. They're the first people to be called Christians, even though they may not have been Jewish. They, they were probably Gentile. And so uh, they're, they're, this is the group of people that Paul's writing to. And Paul is writing to them because there are some other leaders, religious leaders that have come behind Paul and began to teach the church in Galatia that you need to now follow the Jewish rules and law to be saved. Now you, you need to, and, and there was... Uh, 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 a bunch of processes and and there was this this whole thing that they were preaching that you needed to do now in order to be saved to be made right to be justified before god and so paul says i'm going to address address this issue that is justification do y'all know what justification is justification is when god is there at judgment day and he's looking at you and he determines whether or not you stand condemned or whether or not you are justified. So the, the, there's going to be a day that we believe as Christians that will be the day of judgment when we stand before God and we'll have to uh, uh, declare if we believed in his son Jesus Christ or not. And what we're going to do is if we say no, we're going to stand condemned before God because We've sinned. We've, we've, we've not been able to fulfill the law. We've not been able to live life the way that God uh, tells us to live. And, and we'll be guilty of sin. And so we'll stand condemned. But if we have received Jesus Christ as our saviors, we will no longer be condemned. 
That's justification. We will be justified. So we, we've gone over two weeks now of, of the book of Galatians, and Andrew talked a, a lot the first week about how we are justified because of Christ before God. And it is through, through, uh, through the grace of God, through the grace of Jesus Christ, that it's not the works of the law, it's not anything that you and I could ever earn or do, it is simply because of the grace that God has given us through Jesus Christ. And then we start to answer another question here. Not, how, not only um, do we talk about how am I justified before God, but now we also talk about, okay, Paul's addressing how you're justified before God, and then he's going to address now how we live that we are saved in Christ. How do we live in Christ now? Don't be pulled away from the gospel message of Jesus Christ was the warning that Andrew gave us the first week we went over this. Don't be pulled away from the gospel message of Jesus Christ. There are people that will try to pull you away from the gospel message of Christ. Don't be pulled away. Amen? Turn to somebody and tell them, don't be pulled away. Don't be pulled away. And then last week, Irving talked about um, Paul's conversation um, with, with the church leaders and how he wanted to be confirmed that what he was preaching was true. And so he's establishing in the book of Galatians here that the gospel message that he is preaching is the true gospel that Jesus Christ brought. So he goes to Peter, he goes to James, and he goes to John, and he wants to confirm that the message he is proclaiming is true, and they confirm that, yes, it is true. And then that's when Irving talked about that was done in private. That was done in a private setting. Paul didn't want to call him out or do anything in front of a group of people. There was a private setting that he went to, and he called that meeting, and, and they got together and talked about this, and they confirmed the message that Paul was preaching was, in fact, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. He wanted to make sure that everything that he had been doing up to that point wasn't in vain. He was preaching exactly what Christ taught because these guys were the eyewitnesses that walked and, and were taught by Jesus directly as to his disciples, right? So he's confirming with them. <clears throat> because the people of Galatia were struggling with how they should live in this newfound salvation, specifically the non-Jews. There were Jewish people that were coming around telling them, okay, now that you are saved, you need to begin to do this, and you need to do this. And men, you've got to do this. If you don't do this, men, you are, not, you are not righteous. You are not justified before God. You must follow. They were preaching a message that you must follow the Jewish laws and customs to be justified. If we were to make the Jewish law instead of Christ our atonement, our justification, then we would only fail and stand condemned before God. So Paul wanted to make sure that preaching salvation and justification, that those things are only accomplished through Christ alone. Amen? So let's go to the book of Galatians. And let's dive into this. Let's go to chapter 2. We're going to go from uh, verse 11 all the way through the end of chapter 2. 
So we'll have it on the screens if you don't have your Bible, but I'm, I'm just to keep you guys active here. When you get there, when you get to Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, say amen. All right, we got participators this morning. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to let you know something here because as, as we read, you're going to be a little bit perplexed by this name, but the name Cephas is Peter, okay? The name Cephas is Peter. That's who it's talking about here. So let, let's read. Let's go Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, and we'll, we'll go through uh, verse 14. So 11 says, but when Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, which is the city there in Galatia, I opposed him to his face. Oh, we've got some drama going on here. I thought you were just confirmed by Peter, James, and John, Paul. So he's, he's, this is an interesting story. Let's pay attention here. He says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, man, that's good right here, right? But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas Peter before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So what's going on here? We see Peter struggling with something, don't we? Peter is struggling with the influence of some of his peers that have come. Some of the people from his past, I'm sure, are now influencing the way he's living. There is significance here because this is all based around eating. Isn't it interesting how he stands condemned by the way he's eating? And um, there's two major things. Uh, let me just let you know why it talks about the eating here. We'll, we'll dig into a few details. Two major things that defined you if you were a Jew that, that made it very clear that you were Jewish to everybody else around you. There were two major things. If you were Jewish back in biblical times that made it very clear to everyone else around you that you were Jewish. Number one, that you observed the Sabbath. If you observed the Sabbath, you, you didn't work, you weren't able to do anything, you, weren't, you, you observed the Sabbath to the T, right? That was, that was something that, that made it very clear to everyone else around you that you were Jewish. You observed the Sabbath. The Sabbath. I feel like that came out like a V. Sabbath, not Sabbath. Sabbath. You observed the Sabbath. And the other thing that made it very clear to people around you that you were Jewish was the food laws that the Jewish people had in place. The food you ate and the food you didn't eat. And, and who you could eat with and, and the people that you, or, and even who you bought your food from. Like you couldn't buy food from people who didn't worship your God because there was a chance that they gave an offering to a different God which would make your food unclean. And so you couldn't eat that food. You couldn't eat it. If somebody else raised it, 
if it was, if it was, if there was only certain uh, four-hoofed animal, I mean, four-legged animals that they could eat. They couldn't eat pork, and they couldn't eat a, a shellfish, and they couldn't eat a bunch. There's a bunch of rules, and it made it very clear to everyone around you that you were Jewish if you followed these rules. And the significance behind this, we have to go back to the Book of Acts. How many of you here remember the story of Peter and Cornelius in the Book of Acts? Do you remember there was the sheet that, that Peter saw in his vision that happened three times to confirm that it was God speaking to him. He saw the sheet coming down, right, with all these unclean animals, and God spoke to Peter and said, eat. And Peter said, God, I've never eaten anything unclean. I've never eaten anything that's common to man. I've always followed the Jewish custom in how I eat. And God told Peter, do not call unclean the things that I have made clean. And so he's, he's getting Peter to the point where, where, where he's saying, look, you're focused on the wrong thing. I am the one that saves people, not what you eat and don't eat. And so, and so the significance here is that Paul is talking to Peter, the man who brought the message to the Gentiles. He brought it to Cornelius. He took it to them. And then, and then the, the church was established by Barnabas. So he says the name Barnabas here because Barnabas was one of the the the, the, the apostles that left Jerusalem, went to Antioch, and made sure the church grew. And, and we learn in the, back in the book of Acts chapter 10 that it grew quickly with Barnabas' leadership. So he was a good leader. And he, he was very good because he didn't only preach to the Jews, but he also preached to the Gentiles. And here we see an instance of where they're beginning to revert back to the old ways of living when there are certain people around. How many of you can re relate to that? That when certain people come around, you start to revert back to your old ways of living. Maybe it's not in the religious context, but maybe it's in a tradition that is deep-rooted, that's not godly. And you get around certain people and all of a sudden you begin to revert back to that old person. And Paul calls Peter out. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. You're doing the wrong thing here, Peter. Barnabas, you're doing the wrong thing here. Your conduct is not in step with the truth of the gospel. If there was anyone whose wall of religion, like we were just singing about earlier, if there's anyone whose wall of religion should have been torn down, it would have been Peter. Because God himself spoke to him and confirmed it because he did the same thing to him three times. And Peter knew that it wasn't those food. And, and the funny thing is, Peter would, would be okay with the Gentiles when certain people weren't around, is what we're learning here. It's whenever the people from the group, like the group that he calls the circumcision, the people who are very religious, who are telling everybody that in order to be saved, you need to go through this ritual in order for you to be saved. Whenever they came around, that's whenever Peter started. Um, oh, it's okay as long as those guys aren't around. Oh, I, I, can, I can eat with you Gentiles as long as these religious people aren't around. It's, it's, it's an example to us. Because we are human just like Peter. And there's going to probably be a time whenever we're around people from our past and they're going to 
they're going to be like, hey, you're Christian now? Yeah, but right now, you know, what, hey, look, it, you know, we're going we're gonna to we're gonna do this, we're going to do whatever it is. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw back a little bit here and maybe not so much live my Christian life around you now. This is the warning. This is our warning to not go back to our old ways. Peter was caught up in telling people to follow the Jewish law. And then he himself wasn't even following them. Came off like a real hypocrite right there, right? When certain people were around, Peter changed the person who God had made him. Sometimes we need friends who are like Paul in this instance, instance to tell us that our conduct is not in step with the truth of the gospel. Sometimes we need people in our life to call us out and tell us your conduct is not in step with the truth of the gospel. We need it. We need it. So let's go on to verse 15. Verse 15 says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen to that. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Justification, remember, again, is that day of judgment when we stand before God and we have to um, uh, uh, give an account for the life that we have lived. And he says the only way you're going to be justified. So he's, he's trying to break up the tradition and, and the, the, re, the religiosity that, that people are living by. And he's trying to say, stop, it's not about that. It's because of Christ that we are justified. It's because of him. Don't let our justification before God ever deviate from Christ. Because here in this instance, in the book of Galatians, what we're seeing is they are trying to replace Christ with law. They are trying to replace justification before God, get it away from Christ and making it into the law. And Paul is telling them, no, you've got it wrong. No one, even in their best effort, will ever be able to fulfill the requirements of the law except for Christ. And so the, the, the basic question that he is asking here in Galatians chapter 2 is he's saying, is it Christ or is it not Christ? And so in your life, the question I propose to you, is it Christ or is it not Christ? Is it Christ or is it not Christ? 
Sometimes we just got to make it as simple as can be, make it as black and white as can be. And here we are learning a very good example. Is it Christ or is it not Christ? For those of us who have grown up in church, it is very, very easy to relate to, to Peter here. Very easy. Because we, I guess, have seen what a Christian lives like, right? And we can very easily put on religious glasses when we look at people. And we can begin to stand and begin to judge other people by the way they live. I'm, I'm very guilty of it at times in life, and I have to catch myself. Is it Christ or is it not Christ? Is Christ the reason for justification or is it not Christ? Is it Christ or is it not Christ? In your life, ask the question, is it Christ or not Christ? Let's go on to verse 17. He says, but if in our, if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Somebody highlight that verse. If you have the highlight feature on your phone to highlight that verse, highlight that verse. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Is, is your salvation, is the grace that God has given you a license to sin? Absolutely not. By no means. Certainly not. Verse 18, for if I rebuilt what I tore down, I proved myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Man, that's good right there. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified. Oh, I love this verse. If you don't know this verse, if you have highlight this one, memorize this one. This, if this can't be an anthem for the way you live life on a daily basis, I don't know what other verse can be. It says, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Man. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Since we are not bound to the law, does that mean Christ promotes that we can live in sin? Nope. <laughs> okay, let me just answer that very simply. Nope. Christ is the sufficient one to make us right with God. But grace is not a license to sin. 
Instead, if I take the minds, if I take that mindset, then I tear down the very thing that Christ was trying to build. And then I love this part where he says, he says, for though the law, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Live to God and not the law. In other words, live to God and not your traditions. Live to God and not the past life that you come from. Live to God. Live to God. Don't fall victim to the God knows my heart theology that runs around. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There are people that Man, so look, because I travel a lot for work, sometimes I'm in places where there's an open bar, like at a conference or something like that, and you all know what I'm talking about, okay? I'm not gonna pretend like I'm not around some of that stuff sometimes because I'm around it a lot with work and the way way I travel and where I go and a lot of the people that I'm around. I'll be at trade shows and our booth will be set up right next to an open bar, okay? And and sometimes people, (laughs) this is funny, so I I got to know a lot of really good people at work and we, we all go out to dinner and it's paid for by the company and people are taking full advantage, right? And that means you know, all the drinks, all the beverages that you want are free because the company's paying for it. And I'm there drinking my Dr. Pepper and a water after so long because you can only drink so much Dr. Pepper, okay? <clears throat> and so we're there. And then, you know, the people that I work with know that I'm a Christian. They know I'm a believer. And it's funny to me that, have you ever had a drunk preacher preach to you? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No, never happened. It's funny sometimes because, you know, they'll be like, man, Jonathan, it's good that you don't even drink, you know. And, you know, you know, God knows my heart. And <laughs> that's always the line that I get. It's, it, it makes me laugh. But there, there are people who, who say, well, God knows my heart, so that means that all the wrong that I do in my life are okay because God knows my heart. And there, there is a problem with that because that does not align with the truth of the gospel. Well, God knows my heart. Well, okay. Yeah, he does. And our heart is deceitful above all things. Live to God and not our traditions. Live to God and not religiosity. Live to God and not the law. And then he hits us with verse 20. I love verse 20. I'm going to read it again. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Man, that phrase right there, ah, that's so powerful because I want that to be what resonates in my life. You know, I believe that the, the sign of a true believer is somebody who can say this and actually mean it. God, this is what I want the anthem of my life to be. I no longer want to live, but I want for Christ to be the one who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is talking about divorcing himself from the upbringing that he had in Judaism. 
And he's saying it's not about following all the Jewish laws. Now I'm going to live by faith in the Son of God, in Jesus Christ. That's the one I'm going to live by. Now he's saying I join myself to Christ. He's no longer the same person. He's a new creation. How many of you are new creations in Christ Jesus? See your hand. Let me see your hand. Some of you have a powerful testimony, and you can attest to the, to the transforming work of Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. I love the way that Paul put it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. I am not the same. Through dying with Christ comes a new life that I now live in Christ. Amen? We are not the same when we come to Christ. We are not the same when we come to Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Man. That's, that's a, uh, a mature place to be. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Because now you're, you're, not, you're not the person that just wants God to be like Santa Claus. If I'm good, give me stuff. You're not in that place anymore. Well, God, I'm in need right now, so give me something because I'm in need. I'm, I'm going to start coming to church. I'm going to start living right. I mean, this, this is the pattern that we fall into sometimes as people. Well, God, things are going wrong because this is exactly what happened in the Old Testament with the, the people of Israel. Well, God, things are going wrong right now. So, God, I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn to you, God. I'm going to give you everything. And then God blesses you. And, and God does great and wonderful things. And, you know, and, and, and it's awesome. And then all of a sudden, as, now that you're, you're blessed and the, the thing that was the problem is no longer the problem anymore. And now things are going good. All right, well, let me start deviating away from God. And let me start getting, and, and I don't know that people always intentionally want to get away from God, but it happens, and people get away from God. The sign of a, of, of a mature believer, the sign of a true mature believer is this right here. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm emptied out. I'm nobody. Christ lives in me. God, do your will in my life every day. God, in my marriage, at my job, with my friends, when I parent my, ch when I parent my children, God, the frustration that comes with that sometimes, God. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, be an instrument for God to use, always. Be an instrument for God to use. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21 through 22 says, 
Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes. Say, instrument for special purposes. Now, y'all are quiet now. The AC just kicked on. It was getting a little warm in here. We need y'all's energy level to come back up. Say, instruments for special purposes. That's you. This is what God wants you to be. God wants you to be an instrument for special purposes. He wants for us to be made holy. He says, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy and useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Who, man, who wants that? Yes, God, use me, right? And then it goes on to say in 2 Timothy, he says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. He doesn't just tell you stop doing this. He tells us what to pursue. I love that about this passage. He doesn't tell us just, just stop being a fool. He tells us now what to pursue. Because sometimes people tell you stop doing this, stop doing that, stop doing this, stop doing that. And they'll never tell you what to do. You ever been in a job like that? Golly, you just messed that up. No, you don't do it like that. No, you don't do it like that. You want to quit after two days. You know, yeah, some of y'all just said, yup, because you've been there. You know what it's like to be under a terrible leader who just tells you what not to do, and you don't even know what to do. All they're doing is telling you what not to do. I don't know what to do then. You're just telling me what not to do. I need to know what to do. I can do what you tell me to do, but all you're telling me is what not to do. He tells him here, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Pursue these things. Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Find the people that love the Lord and have that pure heart and want to serve him. I pray that we would be people who respond to what Paul is telling Timothy in 2 Timothy here, that we would be people who pursue righteousness, that we would be people who pursue faith, that we would be people who pursue love, and we would be people who pursue peace. And that includes social media too. That we would be people who pursue these things along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Find the people who love the Lord out of a pure heart. You know where you'll find them? Hopefully in this room. Hopefully the people that you're sitting next to are the people who, that you, who you see are pursuing God with a pure heart. I pray that we be a people who respond to God's call like Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6 where he said, Here I am, Lord, send me. If you'll stand with me here this morning, I pray that we would be people who pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. I pray that our life, that we would live our life following Christ and trusting him because he loves us. The reason that Christ died is because he loves you. And what we're learning through the book of Galatians here 
is that there is a, a battle and a temptation and there is a opposer of the faith and sometimes the way it shows its head is like we see Peter at the, be- at the beginning of this passage that we read. Sometimes it shows itself in the form of the people that we knew from our previous way of living. And when they come around, we begin to shy away from the things of God. And what we do is we conduct ourselves in a way that is not in step with the truth of the gospel. Let us stay in step with the truth of the gospel. Let us be people who choose Christ and not be people who reject him. Because he was saying in the passage, he was saying, is it Christ or is it not Christ? Is it the law or is it Christ? Well, for you, let me just say it like this. Is it Christ or is it not Christ? Will you live your life following Christ or will you live your life not following Christ? And then the challenge for us to be mature believers and be able to say, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. God, this morning, I thank you for your word that challenges us.